reportedly. Look, he's there. What a great corner. Everybody's Dylan Hart Jr. back for another episode of the Dale Jr. Download with my co-host Mike Davis, our producer and editor Matthew Dillner. What's up? Good job on that open, Matthew. That was a little Joe Rogan esque. That was. Hey, good, it? good, good point. Yeah, I haven't heard it back. The call for the finish of the race. You haven't? Um, yeah. I, I I find myself. You know, I know I'm yelling. I know I know that I'm yelling. <laughs> you know, during I know people are like, "Hey, stop yelling." I saw um, that. Somebody said that yeah, on Twitter yesterday. Not, Yeah, I see it every once in a while. I, you know, I can't help it, but listening back to it, yeah, I'm yelling. No, no, don't stop. Don't, don't stop that. Don't change crap. that. I'm not, not, it's yeah. not golf. That's, 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 no, 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 no. I'm not going to change it. I'm just yeah. saying <laughs> I've not – I hate to admit this because this is probably not good practice, but I don't go back and rewatch the races. I haven't got really comfortable with hearing myself broadcast yet. I probably I, mean, I know I should go back and watch them so I can understand what I'm sucking at and how to fix things and do better, <laughs> do things better and see you know understand what my mistakes are. But I just you know haven't been able to bring myself to listen to it because I th- you know who likes to listen to themselves. But yeah, I know I'm yelling everybody. I can't help it. That's my natural reaction. I'm gonna just do what I do, and if it's good broadcasting, then I'll get to keep the job. If it's not, I'll. That's, not have the job. That was your response yesterday. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's all I can do. I, I, I don't think I could change it if I tried. You know, if you didn't yell, you know what they'd be saying. We want to hear you more. I, I just don't think I could try not to do it and, and succeed. I, I, it's The racing has been so good. It's that good. And, look, if I'm going to broadcast, i got to bring – I got to be a fan. I got to be a fan of what I'm seeing. I can't go up there and just go through the motions and not be interested in what's happening. And so um, we had such an incredible story and experience mm-hmm. happening in front of us. This whole Roval thing's been going on. Marcus Smith came in earlier in the day for a production meeting. He's like, we've been working on this three years. Now that really set the tone for me. This isn't something that we just threw together. They've been working on this for three years, trying to put this together, design the track, get a decent layout, get info from drivers, from teams, and all that stuff, working through NASCAR networks, all those people to get this approved. Everybody has to be on board. If somebody doesn't want to do it, the networks, NASCAR, it's all it takes. It, it, they can they can shut it down. Yep. So this was an incredible undertaking and impressive that everybody signed off. I, was, I talked to Marcus before the race. He's like, man, I'm nervous. Mm. I'm like, I'm nervous yeah. too. There's a lot on the line. I was nervous for the drivers because we'd seen all weekend how difficult the track was and all those guys trying to learn it. And there was a lot of landmines out there, so to speak, for lack of a better term. Um, there's just a lot of you know pitfalls and stuff for those guys, trouble spots. And uh, so I was ner- nervous as a driver for the for the competitors, but I was nervous for Marcus. And this is definitely the shot in the arm that Charlotte Motor Speedway needed. I was nervous for the sport. I thought that we could come off all looking silly or we could <laughs> yeah. look brilliant. I, and, and I really did feel that way because I'm like, you know, those, sometimes you feel that like this really could make us look goofy. Yeah. Like really could. But I don't think it did. Yeah. I didn't feel that way about the sport because I we're so the sport's so big it can, you know, survive those type of experiment to do those things. And they can survive those failed experiments because the sport's so big. And people would say, "Hey, yeah, has a you know, it's worth a shot." Why? Yeah. You know, the the thing about it is, the track has 
really struggled to put out a good product because of the, you know, well, my, <laughs> my opinion is because the surface is so good. When they repave this racetrack, they put these rubber polymers in that mix. Yep. And so it's rubber on rubber. The tire is actually on a rubber style surface. You know, there's, there's just too much grip in that particular surface and they and the track is just too good so it makes it a low line dominant racetrack single line dominant racetrack during the afternoon during the day this is getting in the weeds but during the day the track gets a little bit better with the with the heat and the sun but the track has really struggled to put a good product out there and put an exciting race on the line so much so that for the all-star race they brought in this high drag package that everyone was worried about uh, being a you know being a real issue, and the drivers didn't want it because it takes power out of the cars. It makes all the cars a lot closer together. Drivers feared that guys like you know Matt Di Benedetto sneak in and win the All Star race somehow, uh, you know, it, or it was just going to take the driver out of the race. Yeah, that's what they That's worried a about. Concern, yeah. yeah, so this was something that they had to do. But you're saying they, that they were doing this before they this ever probably de- uh, uh, my, thought this, about the rules package. This is desperate for them. You know, this shows the desperation, I guess, in the track to figure out a way yeah. to get get their shit together. So it's a hail mary, but you know, sometimes you connect. All right, on so a hail they mary. Have, so they do this. Uh, they do this high drag package. They do they do the roval. There's two real good examples of the, this track is having to do something pretty serious to turn its luck around, turn its productivity around, and its success around. The All-Star race was considered a success, I thought. I thought it was a great race. I thought the cream still rose to the top. It was fun to watch. Do we want to see it everywhere? You know, that's up to debate. You know, the Roval idea didn't have that kind of, I, I would say the drivers weren't, weren't sure about it, but they weren't against it. Yeah, you know they knew that the track needed to try something. They knew that the product for the oval wasn't good, and so you know Marcus and his team put together a great racetrack. The chicane on the back straightaway is a little suspect. I'm sure the drivers are going to get there, get get with Marcus and those guys, yeah. and and you need to create a braking zone. There's no braking zone on that chicane on the back straightaway. You go through that chicane at 140 miles an hour, and uh, so they need to fix that. But otherwise, the infield looked like a lot of fun. Uh, the yeah, elevation. Yeah. I saw pictures of like the fans and stuff, like standing around, yeah. like it was a festival watching. The yeah, thing. the elevation changes on the racetrack. Um, the front straightaway uh, kink was pretty interesting. Obviously, we had a uh, wild, wild finish through that. With you know, due to that being there, turn one was w- really wild on restarts. Turn three and four, we saw how tough it was in testing, and it it was still difficult, but not quite as tough in the race. I think once the guys started getting some rubber down and starting to feel like the track was gaining a little grip turn three and four wasn't quite as difficult for those guys in the race turn five heading up the hill into turn five and turn six we saw a lot of guys get off racetrack there um it invites you i think to drive in there pretty deep and uh up uphill you know you kind of roll up to that corner it's interesting those are you know seven downhill into seven and and trying to get drive off out of eight onto the big nascar oval all those things were really, really intriguing. A lot of fun to watch the drivers learn and process what they were doing and change how they were driving the track. And when we were watching, I think, one of the best races of the day with the two-car, Keselowski and Kyle Larson, mm. they had a great battle that was just the essence of racing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just was – if you were, if you're a race fan, that's as good yes. as it gets. Yes. And so we're sitting there watching that and thankful – I'm thankful for those guys that they were racing that way. 
And uh, the way they were both driving the track was completely opposite. So, okay, yeah, one guy would take a high high line into one corner to drive off the bottom of the neck of you know, the exit, and and every they were they were just trying two different lines, really almost around the whole racetrack. It was really in, impressive to see through all the testing and all the race weekend. This was Brad's idea of getting around the track, and this was Kyle Larson's idea of getting around the track, and his approach into seven or the line he took into three or four. They both did it differently with throttle and, uh, you know, where they were on the racetrack, where they put their cars. It was really interesting to see them try to get runs on each other and, and take advantage of each other, set up passes and things like that. So I enjoyed the hell out of that part. Just a real good success. So yeah, the the I think the question at the end of the day is, is the Robo coming back? I think Robo's coming back. I'm sure the drivers are texting and talking with Marcus and his team about how to uh, improve that back straightaway chicane. I think that was the only part of the track. But they did change that. They, well, they not, got rid no, of it. No, 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 no. It's not a braking. You, it's not a chicane. It's a bend that's 140 yeah. miles an hour. What okay. The, what we it need, didn't slow them down. What we need to achieve, basically, is the same thing we have on the back straightaway at Watkins Glen, where we have the bus stop. Yeah. They slow down, brake hard and turn into that corner. Well, that's a passing zone. That braking zone becomes yes. a passing zone. And we don't have that on the back straight. Well, that's what they were trying to emulate. Yeah, I got you. What they have at, at Watkins Glen and failed. Or Daytona. And, and, you know, and, and, and why is that? Was it just not it's deep too enough? Fast. It's It's just It's, it's too not pronounced enough. That's what I meant. Does that yeah. mean yeah. like if you can't pronounce it because of the width of the track, can you uh, make it uh, earlier? What do you What do you think? Uh, would think that would, would that do it? I think it would be even – I think it would be even e- it would be even easier to get through there without shifting and braking if it were earlier because you'd be going into it with less speed. So you would probably it wouldn't create a braking zone. Okay. I think you know they'll just adjust it. It, it might not it might not need to be an entire bus stop. It might need to be something similar to the front straightaway kink, which is basically just an L. And okay. um, you know so they could there's there's a way to make it right and make it better. And the drivers will be the ones that I think that should be tasked to help. You know, and I'm sure they're going to give their input, but I think lean on the drivers to get that input, not engineers or people that are in suits. Lean on the guys wearing the driver suits and uh, get the guys that get around that racetrack to try to make that braking zone and, and passing opportunity really a real reality for that back straightaway. And then we'll have a really awesome freaking racetrack. And it doesn't bother me that we lost an oval, uh, an oval race at Charlotte. I think they could have the 600 there and then the Roval Absolutely. and yep. do that. It's diverse. You, you, let me ask you something. You said a lot right there, and I want to ask you. First of all, you said that this was an act of desperation. Were you talking about the Roval or the rules package to, to the All-Star race? For the track. For the track. For right. the track. But I, I, wonder, I wonder if. Well, I want to say it's an act of desperation for the track because of ticket sales, mm-hmm. the product on the track, the track's survivability, the track's future is at stake. So. They are in a situation where they need answers and they need big changes. So those, I don't disagree with any of that. But I, you know, one of the things, and you kind of hit on it when you said that this was an idea that Marcus had three years ago, yeah. is that to, to to define this as an act of desperation sort of takes away credit of the visionary that I think Marcus brought. Because I don't know that there's a lot of track owners who would have been so dang bold to even make this, even with the with the track yeah. changes that Charlotte needed to make. They probably, you know, a lot of them would have probably just let NASCAR figure it out, rules packages, whatnot. This is a bold move. Oh, yeah. This is the thing that, like, you know, you almost strap your legacy to. Like, you know, either you're going to go down with this or you're going to, you know, this is going to define you, make you, or break yeah. you, right? And 
I, after that race, I sat there to myself. I was like, self, that might have been the greatest last lap I think I've ever what, witnessed. When nah. you think about – no, no, hold on. Hold, hold on. <laughs> I, I even hold even on. road courses, I could beat you on that one. Yeah. But, but Hold on. With all that there was at stake, being that it was in the playoffs. You, okay. Hold on. No, I'm not I done. I got you. With all that was at the stake in the playoffs. The fact that there were three races going on on that last lap, and it wasn't just for the lead. <laughs> yeah. That what Eric Amarola did, you know, driving like he was possessed, looking at NBC's real-time ticker – of the points on that last two laps was amazing <laughs> because you saw guys, it looked like that big wheel on the price is right. Like it just kind of like, it was like turning. Yeah. And then you had people go in and out that transfer spot was moving yeah, yeah. and Amarola's rooting and gouging people out. I'm, you're fixed on that. Then you got Jimmy Johnson, old horse. Reeling him in. And, and Junior called it just how you're thinking. It's like, he says, if he can get through this and be on his bumper, he's going to be able to set up that pass. Yeah. And there he was. <laughs> and then, after all that's said and done, we know how that played out. Then that old meaningless driver from three weeks ago at Indy, Jeffrey Earnhardt, you know, the one that was tab meaningless, <laughs> meaningless, absolutely affected or he, he by getting spun out. Kyle Larson's over there with basically one wheel on his car and trying to just limp Limping. around. He passes. There were three meaningful races on one lap that determined the next round of the playoffs. Yeah. I think it might have been the greatest finish I've seen. By design, you know, everything came together, Mike. That's and right. Dale. I mean, and, and that, I would put it, it in the top 15 for sure. <laughs> um, and, okay, which, come on. Like, I, like road course-wise, to me, it's that Watkins Glen one with, of course. Uh, I, I, with who? Ambrose and, yeah. and I thought that, that was incredible yeah. last lap. It really, matters on who, <laughs> it really matters on who's involved. I think for everybody, it would be a little bit different as yeah. far as who's, you know, the last lap, the finishes and all that. But, but this is such a win. I, I, I don't yeah. – I think you're right, Mike. It's a – for a lot of people, it's probably the best last lap, best finish to a race, most exciting finish to a race they've seen. And you Did know, you see that fan slow-mo, by the way? No. From, okay, so somebody put up video uh, from the, from the uh, grandstands near the start-finish line, and it yeah. was slow-mo. And you just see the fans going through all these emotions, like, ah, oh, they're wrecking. And then you see a Jimmy fan, not, you know, when he's losing the lead, doing this. And yeah, just put yeah. his head. It was any time that you don't know the results – Right when they cross the finish line, and you got to wait for rulings. I mean, you know, you got a good one, right? I mean, <laughs> not like, always. Well, no, we didn't have we didn't have that at Martinsville yeah, Saturday we'll night. <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll talk about that too. That's because I, I can't wait to ask you about that. So, so all right. So we were all pleased with the Roval. I think that it was kind of like the Wild West too, man. It was, but I, I felt like it was so necessary. The fact that it was on NBC, I know I said this after Chicago, but having it on the big network, just the timing of yeah. it, I think that is just a super That's a opportunity for, for the for the sport in itself. I know that the NBC guys had to have been ecstatic by the way that thing ended up. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, if you're Jimmy Johnson, now that we can play Monday morning quarterback, do you settle for second and get into this, the next round of the playoffs, or do you go for the win? And I mean, I've been like, kind of got me fired up. Jimmy Johnson let going me, for it. Let me be honest. I mean, you go for the win. Yeah. Yes. And, and the reason why that's so e it's so easy to say, oh man, you know, you could have just taken it easy. Right. You're in that race car, battling your ass off as those two laps are winding down to the very fat last few couple corners. Inside that car, you're a race car driver. Mm -hmm. Damn straight. You're not Monday morning quarterback. Right. And you're you don't, not you don't, an analyst. And you don't have a ticker telling you where you are in the standings. No. Right. You're looking at that guy in front of you and knowing that if I get in front of him, I'm going to victory lane. And that's yep. where everybody wants to be. And he should pray. Everybody wants to be in victory lane. All right? And Jimmy never knew that over you know, overdriving that corner and making that mistake 
was going to knock him out, you know, knock him out of the playoffs. Right. He never knew that. He right. didn't. You're not sitting there going, well, it's either this or it's that. In his mind, he's racing for the win, and the rest is going to take care of itself, no matter what happens on that last corner. And he has the confidence in himself as a seven-time champion that he's not going to make that mistake. Well, sometimes not everybody. He's a human being. Not everybody's perfect. And he made a mistake, and he got in the corner and misjudged the breaking zone. Jeff Burton really kind of gave us a, a, a glimpse of, of what to expect on that. He says, here's the thing on that restart. It's an untested tire and an untested track in this type of situation. You're going to dive into a corner even though you've done it in this race. You haven't done it like this. Yeah. You, you, you haven't gone in and dove head first and gone butt naked crazy into that one last turn yeah. trying to make a, make a pass for the win. Uh, I, I, I'll be honest with you. If he doesn't, Go for the win, and he rolls down into there and finishes second. He's going to regret that for the rest of his life. I mean, yeah. you know, among – I mean, there's, everybody That's has the their point. regrets in life, but that would eat away at him. Any driver yeah. would go, what if I had, had tried? Mm-hmm. You know, not only – and he knows that those – they don't have any playoff points. Right. All right? They don't have many at all. And so that would have been five playoff points Yeah, that he would desperately need in this next round. And especially in the third round, when he's got to go up against guys that have 30, mm-hmm. 50 playoff points. I mean, there's just, he has to go for the win there. Yeah. Not just to get to the next round, but have any kind of chance to get to Homestead. Yeah, people are always going to be critical of stuff, but, you know, the, the, yeah. uh, the mindset of a racer is to freaking win races. And, yeah, I mean, I mean you're you not. The head. Yeah. You're gonna you don't. Tuck in. Yeah. Hey, can I ask you one more question about that? But if you go back uh, six laps earlier, that restart where they all, all crash, of them yeah. went piling oh, into that turn. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was like there was a magnetic force that just pulled yeah. them all into the wall, into the heart, into the heartburn that looked, corner. That looked like that uh, old Langhorn yeah. video that you well, see all the cars just piling in. Yeah. You know? Were you surprised that like all of the leaders kind of overshot that? I've never seen that in my life. Yeah. Well, the one, the the tricky part about this, the, you got to look at this race. And think, you know, everything that you've ever watched this year, we've never ran on this type of a surface with this type of tire. This is a new tire, and it's a really, really durable, hard tire. And when it slides, it does not stop sliding. Once you have gone that, you know, even that foot too far and start to slide and lock that tire up, you're offline, okay? Okay. And there's no runoff in that corner, all right, a good, you know, if you go in there the right way, you end up next to the wall and exit. Yeah, there's so signage. You, That's right. what you run so into. So if you go in there too far and slip, that next to the wall becomes in the wall. So forget about what you've seen and what you've watched as far as cars sliding, mm-hmm. having grip, losing grip, gaining grip, whatever. Okay. What you're going to watch in this race is going to be new for you as a fan watching, and it's going to be new for the drivers that are driving it. They went down in that corner, so we had a really pretty decent green flag run. And as the cars are running, that that's, they only go through the bottom line in turn one, right? Mm-hmm. They don't nobody run no. in that second group. That's getting dirtier and dirtier and dirtier and dirtier mm-hmm. as they're running. All right? So we have a caution. I mean, the 17 car wrecked there. That was what the caution was for. That's right. He wrecked in that particular part of the track. Right. That's how slick it was getting. All right? By himself. He went in there, wheel hopped a little bit. He's offline. Now he's in the dirt. He has no chance. To save that car, and he's in the fence. Just that little bit of getting in there a little too deep. Then we're going to have a restart, and the outside line's got to fire off into that dirty line. And they all went in there with thinking yeah. that you know they were going to make that corner, and none of them were going to make it. 
the 18, the, the 42, all of them, the 21. I mean, they all couldn't make that <laughs> corner. Yeah. You had the dirty line. The other thing, too, is is we a lot of guys, not every driver, I mean, you know, I have drivers probably disagree with this, but for the most part, most drivers sort of follow the guy in front of them and sort of trust what they're doing a little bit yes. into braking zones. And so if a guy drives in there and you're trying to beat him, you're going to go, when you see him break, you're going to try to break a little later, all right, <laughs> and try to get in there a little farther, <laughs> yeah. all right? But if you're not trying to pass the guy, when you see him break, you're going to start breaking. And if he un- and, he- and you're just trusting that he's going to make the corner, he's a great driver, and I'm going to do the same thing he's doing, and we're both going to go through this corner. That's what you think yeah. as a driver. Mm-hmm. And when somebody goes in the corner too far – and you follow them in there, you both miss the corner. Mm-hmm. We saw it a couple times in that final kink. Uh, we saw it in the Xfinity race. We saw it in the saw Cup race. You did. Who was that? Somebody followed somebody right yeah. into that. Yeah. I yeah. think it was Brad Kozlowski and maybe – I can't remember. remember who it was. But if you fought – you know, you, we all trust each other. And so on those restarts, all those guys went down in that corner. And when the leader breaks, everybody else goes, all right, time to break. Well, if the leader goes too far, everybody else is too yeah. far. And wow. so there's People a lot that of are listening to this, it's like when you're on the highway, man, you're following somebody and you, you're going through construction and they're changing lanes and stuff like that because of construction. You got to be careful not yeah. to follow somebody if they're a little off stray. I, re- you know, racing myself, remember thinking about that at one time where I somebody overshot the turn on a restart and I followed them and did the same damn yeah. thing. You, you know, follow them right in there. We we talk about it. You know, everybody needs a a lot of drivers need rabbits. Yeah, like I get faster when I'm following somebody yeah. around a road course because I can do I can either do what he's doing or try to do it a little bit different, a little bit harder, better, a little yeah. bit better. But if I'm out there by myself, I'm like, oh man, my rabbit's gone. I have no reference. <laughs> now I got to figure this out myself. And so some people need a rabbit, just like yeah. a dog, a racehorse, uh, just like a race yeah. dog. You know, yeah. chasing that yeah, thing around chase. the track. You go faster. So you chase them off into the corner. If they go in there too far. We're both going in there. Because yeah, yeah. if that st- <laughs> if that if that uh rabbit Your comes pot. comes unhinged and goes out to the hot dog stands, the dog the dog's not finishing that lap. They're going into the hot dog. <laughs> they're going to the hot dog stand. Yeah. All right. So if everybody's pot committed, once the leader goes in there, <laughs> that's that's exactly what we saw then. Yep. They all just followed him right into the tires. Yeah. <laughs> and it there's no runoff there. That no, it's unforgiving. Know, it is. It, I thought when I saw that Tums had spent money to sponsor that corner. It was awesome. I was like, no, turn three. They should have spent money on turn three. Well, I was completely wrong. <laughs> turn, turn one was the corner to sponsor. Turn three, not hardly anything happened over there. We'd seen cars spinning out into that corner all, all during the testing. test. But as soon as they got the tr- rubber down on the track, everything got pretty decent over there. D- so, Dylan and I were talking about this t- this morning. There are traditionalists out there that, that were like, got it. Yep, you ran a Roval. But yep. if you wanted a road yep. course – just take it to a road course. Yeah, that, that doesn't what work would for your, me. What would your response to that be? I I, I think that um, I'm more interested, actually, I'm more interested in this time when we need a spark, when we need something new. We don't need the same. I, we can go to a road course. Yeah. We can go to mid-Ohio, have a great time. Yeah. We can have a great race just like we do. We have great road course races at Sonoma and Watkins Glen. Sure. We can go to all these yeah. other tracks and have road great road course racing. But I need something even more. I need something new, undone, you know, something that we haven't tried. And that's this This checks the boxes. Yes. All right? So I, I like it. And I like keeping it at home. I like it. It's at Charlotte. That's what I like about it because we said it on the show. You said it on the show um, probably like five shows into the season this year where as Charlotte goes, 
so does our sport because yeah. this is our epicenter, man. Indy car racing, it's Indianapolis. Yeah. You know, uh, we've got Daytona, of course, but Charlotte is kind of the epicenter of stock car racing. Yeah. And it's like we need Charlotte to be healthy. And this right here might be that shot in the arm. Oh, you know what I you like know? about it? I love it. All of those things that you guys just said, plus this. To me, it like cemented Charlotte Motor Speedway is like this like m- ultimate motorsports just b- – Haven. I mean, you got the drag dirt strip, track. the dirt track, the the legends track. Yeah. Yeah. You got you know that little track on the outside of the track. Uh, the you know that eighth of a mile, or whatever it is outside. Yep. That now you, you got, got in trouble. You got the. I did. I got kicked off of that one time <laughs> with my my car. But anyways. Um, you know, you got your mile and a half, but then now you got the Roval, which yeah. th- th- didn't just get put in there this year. I this mean, isn't an afterthought. That, that's been a road course, right? Yeah, it's been uh, in there for a long so time. So I. I, to me, it just puts Charlotte Motor Speedway up there with Daytona and, and like the ultimate mecca motorsports yeah, I uh, get that facility. Point. We have one last thing to talk about as far as that goes, and it they do run on they still going to run the oval. Sure, still going to run oh, the yeah. oval for the All Star Race. Still going to run it for the six hundred, and that product is still at question. And so, with today's announcements from NASCAR. They're going to be running that high drag package there, so we, you know, maybe they're now they're going to do the high drag package. Yeah, uh, for the six hundred. Yeah, for the track, I think this is a good thing. Hopefully, this yeah. works out for them to where they have two marquee events that fans want to go see. Attendance for the Roval was incredible. I looked out through there. Marcus told me it's the best sales and tickets they've had in ten years. Awesome, the biggest crowd they've had in ten years. Awesome, and so I think that they will have even better sales next year. So that good. is. That is incredibly good for that racetrack. Uh, one of the things that I did this past weekend to try something new, for since the Roval is happening, it actually relocated the driver-owner bus lot. That's right. Mm-hmm. I decided to ask Marcus if I could have my bus parked outside the racetrack right up against the fence. So they tore down the grandstands in turn yep. two, and That's those are now bus parking spots Okay. with hookups. You basically park your bus right up against the fence, motorhome, whatever, Yep. and you can you know you can basically you know, watch, watch practice it. right out the window of the bus. You can get your lawn chair out and sit there and watch them watch them run through the infield and come out on the track and go by you and down the back straightaway. And I really really enjoyed that. That was kind of being a fan, being a fan in the booth. I got to be a fan in a general sense. So you got to sit up there during like what Xfinity race or something? I watched some practice there. I was on the in the booth during the Xfinity race. Okay. But I, I didn't do every Xfinity practice, didn't do every cup practice, so I got to go oh. back to the bus and okay. sort of see from that perspective. And I loved it. I really, That's really cool. liked it. Had a lot of fun. That's um, a good view there. Yeah, I mean, and he said camping was sold out. Awesome. Yeah. What a good weekend. Good I, weekend. I tell you what, I'm so optimistic. And man, they had I'm just bull so fighting. Bullfighting. Bull fighting. Bull fighting or bull riding? They had bull fighting. In the like fans the zone. guy with the yes. red thing? No, not international bullfighting, American bullfighting, where they dress up like clowns and jump, <laughs> oh, yeah. jump into the barrels, barrels and all that. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> I thought like Toro. Toro. No, no, no. <laughs> so they had, they had bullfighting out front in the fan zone. The fan zone's out front of the racetrack. They had the Ferris wheel, which yeah. um, I asked Marcus that they, you know, to take the Ferris wheel to all of his tracks. Right. Yes. They, just moved, they took it from Vegas and yeah. brought it over? So they have a Ferris wheel, which I think everybody can enjoy. I, the the Ferris wheel is it, it, it's not about really riding the Ferris wheel that I think's gonna make people excited. It's the visual yeah. for us on for for a fan to go to the racetrack and see a carnival sti- style atmosphere. Yes. That gives them more bang for their buck, more for their ticket. They know that they you know the food vendors, third party food vendors, invite food trucks, popular food trucks down in Charlotte. They should be up at the racetrack on yeah. the race weekends selling their product, mm-hmm. giving fans something a little different than track food. The track food's good, but 
Give them some options. Uh, it ain't great. Actually. Give them some reasons to be. Tru- yeah, food it trucks is, man. Are necessary. Let's be nice. Food trucks are really good, but no, they're, they're, <laughs> the food they, trucks they've are upped amazing. their game. Yeah, food trucks are a big thing. Everybody loves yeah, a food truck. Yeah. So everybody the, is, uh, who doesn't love a Ferris the, wheel. The food truck brings so much variety, but the third party vendors, uh, the the carnival rides, all that kind of stuff. It's what you need outside both, the race and bullfighting. Bullfighting. Yeah. I never <laughs> thought I'd see that. Like I've seen the MMA. I mean, Humping used to have boxing there. Yeah. They had boxing in the grandstands. They would build a ring, the ring yeah. right below the start finish the the flag stand. They would build a ring in the grandstands, <laughs> right? That's a promoter. That is that, crazy. Oh man, yeah. I bet Humpy loved that. Yeah. All right. Well, good stuff. Anything else? I mean, we did. We, uh, I, I mean, I was happy for Blaney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> Dude, the, the, you I know, mean, there's there was still a, like C's open up. There, 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 there was a winner. In Most, he, yeah, he let's did not win. forget Blaney. Yeah, but I was happy for him. I said, <laughs> I said, I said at the start of the show that I didn't think Blaney was going to make it into the into the next yeah. round, and that was tough because there was not only am are we am I good friends with a lot of those guys that were that were fighting to get in there, Clint Boyer, Jimmy. Right, uh, Alex Bowman. But uh, I looked at Blaney, and I'm like, well, you know, he's talked about how he's had trouble. He's hit a lot of stuff that weekend. And I just said, well, you know, wait, the way the speed yep. is in these other guys' cars and then Blaney and how he's performing this weekend, I think he's the one that might fall out. But he ended up putting together a great race, and he took a car that had a little bit of damage to it there from those final few, you know, laps. And that last restart that took out a lot of leaders, he had a car with some damage that we weren't sure was going to make it. Or be competitive on, yeah. those last, on that last restart. But what a great drive for him. That's what you got to do, man. Put yourself in a position to win. Wonder what it was like to be in his seat, man. He's like, all right, I got a good day. Third, yeah. man, I'm, I'm good. He'll call, him, <laughs> he'll call himself lucky, but I'd call it putting yourself in a position to win. For sure. You know? That's right. That's right. So do, you, do the drivers, do you think that they, at the end of the day, the grade that they all liked the Roval? Do you think yeah. they all liked it? Yeah. I mean, Regan Smith said he loved it. Most yeah. challenging racetrack that he's ever ran on. I think, you know, I'm, there's going to be those guys that don't like the Roval, would rather have ran the Oval, maybe aren't big road course fans, whatever. There's going to be the a guys cu- that wrecked. Yeah. There's going to be a couple. No, I know that. But, there's going to be, like, Bubba Wallace, I'm sure, doesn't like it. He, had, know, a, I got he had an awful experience all weekend. There's going to be those guys. But from a, in a, from a general sense, I think that a lot of the drivers probably enjoyed the challenge, probably got to where they, once the track gripped up and had some, you know, they weren't scared for their lives every corner they went into, once they – weren't sure, you know, were sure that they probably weren't going to spin out going into turn three. I think they probably enjoyed what they did. The racing looked, it looked to me like they were having a freaking blast. Right, I mean, it looked fun. I yeah. mean, they're hitting those turtles and just, you know, hopping up and yeah, wheels right. up in the air. That's I think cool. That's, that, yeah, I think that's another thing that maybe the track could could think about doing differently. I'm not sure what the solution is, but the, the blue curbing, yeah, I think the drivers would probably request that they look at some alternatives uh, or less uh, abrupt, shoot. like higher, like I, like lower turtles, like no, like smaller. Because then they kinda. would cut it. Then they'd start yeah. cutting it. You yeah. got to have something that keeps them Disrupts off, them. keeps them away from. My it. God, I loved them. In fact, I I'd thought it was say, great. I'd say uh, next year Marcus needs to put ramps out there and let's yeah. see what we could do. Because man, I'm telling you, I loved it. Yeah. I loved every part of that. I liked that they moved that wall out. That that, that was dangerous. Yeah. Uh, there were the, yeah. people tearing cars up, but they made that adjustment. Yeah. The tur the uh, to the curbs the the red and white curbs. Could be bigger, larger, and progressive. Like start, I got you. they could they could have a, a linear shape to them and be larger, wider. That would keep guys from going over there, and it wouldn't tear their cars. If they got up on them, it upset the car enough. They wouldn't want to do that. But they can't make permanent curbs, obviously, on the back yeah. straightaway because they've got to run the oval. So the fans that don't know, they're kind of like a metal. Like they, I was out there checking it yeah. out right before I left for New York, and it's like the these big metal yeah. deals that are actually 
adhered, bolted t- into yeah. the ground. People don't realize that looking at TV. It, it's amazing. It just hit me, fellas. You know what I like about it? You, we watch these races every weekend, and like I'd be following around Dale Jr. for all these years, and he'd tell me what these racetracks are hard, and this got this bump, and I can't see the bump. Okay, I can't see the, the the reasons why these tracks are hard. When I saw that Roval, it looked hard. It looked like okay. a challenge. And you look at that yeah. big thing, and you see those big old blue curbs, and you see the, the the turns. Like, oh my gosh, them going through that. That's why we all thought, you know, there was a bet going on. Is there any way that these cup guys can make it a full lap on that first lap without incident? <laughs> and they did because they're the best in the world. They they adapted and they they figured it out. But that looked like a challenge, and I like that challenge. I like, I like the kind it. of wild west uh, like mentality of not it. knowing what you're going to see. I like that me at home can see that looks hard. And if yeah. those guys, whoever comes out of this thing, they're my heroes because that looks hard. That's the opposite of that's that's exactly why I don't like. Uh, all-star-ish uh, rules package personally gotcha. because we take away that, that bit of badassery and, and, and hero factor. And I think you hit hit that on the head with the, the Roval and seeing these guys just do it and all that. These guys are, I mean, badass. Yeah. Good. What are we supposed to do next? <laughs> <I don't laughs> you know what we're supposed to do next. Me? Pristine. Pristine. Oh, Lord. Pristine auction. All right, guys. There's something about auctions that makes shopping so much fun. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. For sports fans, it's probably the competition of the auction, the suspense. That's right. You know, yep. winning. I love it. So, who wants to spend time, though, researching the nearest auction house and making the trek all the way there? Losers. <laughs> <laughs> You know, trying to figure out, too, if the <laughs> item that you're it. bidding on is authentic, yep. getting that authentic certificate. Right. Yes. You don't know what you're getting sometimes. Man, these people out there signing, forging names left and right, trying to make a buck. Don't want no I don't Mickey like Mouse all that. Signature. And that's why I love Pristine Auction, an online sports auction house where you can buy and sell sports memorabilia from the comfort of your home. So you can become a seller on here, too. Mm-hmm. Guess ah. what? Yeah. Guess what, guys? What? I'm actually a pristine auction customer now. I, I signed up too I, this I, week. I, I, no, no, I bought. I I won. You won. An item. Oh, you did. What'd you win? An Andre Dawson signed mini helmet. That's awesome. Andre <laughs> Dawson. No way. Yeah. <laughs> you big Andre Dawson it. fan? Yeah, well, he was my favorite. Cub. Yeah, I'm a big Cubs fan, and he was my favorite all-time favorite growing up. And so uh, he always had that really cool stance. Cool. He did have yeah, that man. cool stance. <laughs> so I, I won. I'm a pristine auction winner. <laughs> well, you're guaranteed that that item is authentic, Mike. And everything you purchase comes from an authentication from only the most trusted sources. And the best part, it's affordable. Was it affordable? It ain't sure was, boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's an autograph for Kel Yarborough out there, photo for 25 bucks, and it's cool as hell. He's holding a giant firecracker to promote the Firecracker 400. <laughs> it's awesome. It's this giant firecracker. Is that right? Yeah. That's, that's funny. funny. That's back in the day, they had some good promo photos. Yeah, there's stuff from all different sports, <laughs> even some celebrity <laughs> items, stuff like that. What's this? Uh, what's this, what's that word? Did, <laughs> is that a typo? So no, there's actually I'm looking and there's some Disneyana, and what I'm like, the what hell the is hell Disneyana? is Disneyana? I guess it's like a new word for Disney stuff. They went to be fancy. It's Disneyana. I, I just call it Disney stuff. Then. Disney, Disney stuff. stuff. Well, go check out Pristine <laughs> Auctions now. You'll be hooked. It's free to register. It's free to bid, and you only pay for the items you win. That's Pristine Auctions, spelled P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E Auction. Com. And when you register, be sure to select Dell Jr. Download Podcast from the drop-down menu. Dang it. Did you, I did that when I, I signed up. <laughs> go <laughs> really? To the, Mike, go to the drop-down menu. Don't. Mike, you can you know, I'll still do it. You can yeah. still do it. Yeah. Go to the drop-down menu in the How Did You Hear About Us section and uh, select Dell Jr. Download for us. All right. I was proud to do it. Because that way, Pristine's 
you know, understands that this advertising we're doing for them is working. Hey, and they are now the all-time support- leader of consecutive advertisers on the Dell Jr. download. So aside I, should from, say, I should support them. Aside from listening to the podcast, that's a great way to support our podcast that's is right. by supporting our sponsors and letting them know that this is how you heard about them. That's right, buddy. All right, let's take a quick break for an Exalta update. This is your Exalta Race Center update. I'm Matthew Dillner. The Roval at Charlotte Motor Speedway, simply put, created a lot of drama in its debut. On Saturday, the Xfinity Series was the first to officially race on North Carolina's newest racing circuit. Chase Briscoe used strategy to get out front and held off Justin Marks to stay out front and take his first career Xfinity win. The 9 of Tyler Reddick was the top finisher for Junior Motorsports with a ninth place result. On Sunday, the Cup Stars gave fans a ton of action and a dramatic finish. Martin Truex Jr. and Jimmy Johnson made contact and spun just yards from the finish line. The seas parted ways, and Ryan Blaney sailed between the two cars to cross the finish line first and pick up the win. Meanwhile, over in Virginia, the Junior Motorsports Late Model Program was in action at Martinsville Speedway for the Valley Star 300. Josh Berry led the most laps and looked to have the race won, but got taken out late in the running, resulting in a 19th place finish. C.E. Falk won the race. This weekend, the Xfinity and Cup Series stars wrestle the Monster Mile, Delaware's Dover International Speedway. This has been your Exalta Race Center update. Exalta is the official paint partner of NASCAR, developing, manufacturing, and supplying coatings to all types of vehicles and industrial applications. For more on Exalta, go visit ExaltaCS.com. It is rare. And this has is not nothing to do with that. Yeah. But it's it's rare when we do the podcast when you feel like you're leaving out a ton of. Shit. This weekend was so I know full of. Well, I, I yeah. was trying to watch on Twitter because I was up in New York and it was like that's what I why I said the why because it was like I'm you're just like, like what the like, hell there is yeah. you know everything was happening everything was happening all right we're going to a fun segment called did you see that. <laughs> always do it did you see that but obviously only when it's necessary yeah only when it's necessary well this one's a pretty interesting topic I to talk about <laughs> I, I, I don't really know how about this i cannot wait to hear about this because i didn't see it but y'all you didn't, didn't see it okay no, all right i need you to tell me about it because i and, and, te- and don't leave out any details how do you set it up there's like twenty thousand things that happen i know okay <laughs> so we're going to talk about the uh, martinsville race for the late model stocks that happened saturday night it was live streamed on fans choice tv and it was also on mrn their big 300 lapper. It's a 300 lap race. Pays 25,000 to win. It's mm. been going on forever, and we've been trying to win it. Whether it was me driving a car or being an owner, we had the best car this weekend at that race. Uh, Josh Berry. Didn't y'all lead the most laps too? Josh yeah. Berry. Yeah, just say we led the most laps. You know we did. <laughs> so <laughs> don't ask me the question. You know the answer. <laughs> My question was legitimate. I don't know any of this. So okay. Keep going. <laughs> I we had a great car. It was awesome. I'm gonna be honest. You know, it it was a it was a heartbreaker that we lost the race. But I go to this race all the time, thinking you know the the odds of us winning, even if we had the best car, are just really low. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because in the last couple of years, the last four or five years or whatever, they do a competition caution with like ten, twenty, twenty five laps to go. Okay. It's a 200-lap race, and they basically throw a caution to bunch the field up so that there will be a wild finish. Okay. Yes. All right? And I don't like that. And I don't want to go – I don't like taking my cars up there because of that. I don't like to participate in that type of event because I know we're going to 
probably crash. Oh, yeah. And I know we're going to probably tear our car up, be disappointed, pissed off, and it's going to set the tone for what's been a really great season for us. Yeah. All right? It's going to kind of leave a nasty taste in your mouth when you race all year long and do what you do and win and run, run, run okay and whatever happens, and then you go do that at the end of the year. It just kind of doesn't feel good. You always leave there going, why did we go? And you spend thousands of dollars of your budget to go run that race. Everybody sucks, gets sucked into doing it. And everybody leaves there going, what the hell did I just do? Except for one guy. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> and that guy this year was C.E. Falk. Congratulations to him for winning. Uh, he beat Corey Heim in a strange. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, in a strange way. So we'll break it down. Our guy Josh Berry is doing great. They throw that competition yellow. I don't know. They had probably 10 freaking restarts after that, it seemed like. <laughs> There's always something going on. They have a restart, and Peyton Sellers is on the outside of Josh. Yep. They crossed the finish line, and Peyton Sellers was ahead of Josh. Peyton Sellers was actually ahead of Josh when they when they got to the restart yep. zone, and when they took off. Oh. Yeah. They don't care. I mean, they, they don't. They don't police that. They didn't police it. Okay. All right. But Peyton Sellers was ahead of Josh as they were going to the gas, and then he beat him to the line, okay. and the, they wrecked immediately behind him. And so that's the last scoring loop. The There's start finish. one scoring loop for this race. The start finish line, which that's begins it. the lap. That's really the lone scoring loop, I believe, yes. for this race. Yes. Yeah. So that's the only scoring loop. That's the last. And and when the caution comes out, they computers telling them that Peyton Sellers is the leader of the race. They go by that. Yep. It was disappointing. Next restart. Now Peyton Sellers is a control car. He's on the inside, and Josh is on the outside. Josh gets a great restart. Beats Peyton down into turn one and. Josh came down, Peyton went straight, uh, oh. and Josh got turned Boom. around. Yeah. So I'm not putting the blame on either one of those guys. Okay. I mean, they, Josh did come down, and Peyton was going straight. All right? You can argue that it was one or the other's fault, but I, don't, I think it was more about a racing deal and a desperation last restart that was created by the, the format of the race. Okay? These competition yellows. Yeah. This doesn't happen if we don't have a freaking right. dumb competition yellow at the end of the race. Right. They're all fighting for their territory at that point. All right. So Josh is spun out. He's out. He's got, he's, you know, his car, he's out. He's out of the running for the win. Lane Riggs on the next restart goes three wide under Bubba Pollard. <laughs> so is Sellers still, did Sellers take himself out of that too? No. So he's still up in the yeah. lead? Yeah. So he puts it under, I think, uh, Pollard and Sellers. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Riggs does. Riggs got goes, it. Riggs, Riggs goes three wide. Another desperation move. Yeah. It's, it's what you got to do. Right now, with with that competition yellow and these restarts, and it's ten to go, eight to go, whatever. You gotta go. Mm-hmm. You gotta do it. Lane got a good run. I've seen people go three wide into turn one a hundred, you know, a hundred times. Cup guys, modifieds, late model guys. It usually ends in a crash. Yeah, you have to work more times than not. <laughs> right. yeah. Nine times out of ten, they're gonna be a wreck. But you gotta try it. I can't. I couldn't get mad, at Lane. I know he's a kid. The Riggs boy. I know. I mean, if he's a 35-year-old guy, do we say, "Hey, you got no sense"? Maybe. I don't know. I think it was easy. He was an easy target because of his age True. and his inexperience making that move. It was easy to go, "Well, you don't, you know, that was an idiot move. You're a kid. You need to know better." But that that was going to happen. If you go three wide, you're going to have a wreck. He's hoping that he would not be the one getting Get wrecked, wrecked. Right. That the rest of the guys would wreck and he'd have the lead. Right. Even then, if you can bounce off somebody. Yeah, that's bounce off somebody. Yeah. Well, it didn't happen that way. So yeah, Bubba who, Pollard got taken out. Okay, Pollard got taken out. Bubba, right. the, well, the big thing about that is, is Bubba Pollard's running a late model stock race. I think for the first time, he, he I think he's run a late model stock type race car. Uh, actually, not one down here. Right. Not one in the south. Not he's run like these, pro late models yeah. and all that stuff. All right, so yeah, you're right. 
this is the first time that we're going to have Bubba Pollard in our little world, right? Yeah. And he is a highly respected short track ace. Yeah. Just just goes everywhere. Yeah, he's an American badass. That's a great way to put it. Well, he comes down and runs with us, and he's having a great night. It's know? hard to make that show, so for yeah. him to come down. I mean, Not I only, yeah, making the show, but then crazy. ending up in the top four there with the final few laps. Well, he gets taken out of that by that move that Lane Riggs made, which was inevitable. And, and so after that, he wants to go talk to Lane. And so imagine the scene in For- uh, Forrest Gump when – He's running, and all those people are behind Following him. Following him. That's basically what it looked <laughs> I like. I saw that video. So, I did. Oh, Bubba Pollard's walking through the garage, and I believe that 80% of the people that were in the infield were walking <laughs> behind him. With their phones up. Yeah. Yeah. So, Cell phone cowboys. And he's he's like, hey, I'm just going to talk to him. And I believe him. I do, too. And he actually, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. said it. He's clearly. Like, I'm just going to go talk to him. Everybody here is acting like a freaking crazy people. He even I'm, said, I'm an adult. Yeah. He's like, leave me alone. I'm going to go talk to the guy. Why are y'all acting this way? Everybody was way overreacting to this whole thing. Mm-hmm. All the people around him. They made it impossible for him to go have a conversation with Lane. And he goes down, talks to Lane. Then decide, he realizes that this is pointless right. with all this going on, all these people around. There's phones everywhere. He's getting almost like physically touched, too, to yeah. where he's... He turns around to walk out. Well, they expect... Uh, kicked him out of the track. Now, it's just crazy. I, I still find that hard to believe because he did nothing even remotely worth getting. I heard that uh, I uh, Weaver tweeted. From Weaver track. tweeted that he was expelled from the track, and I he might have retracted it because I I yeah. saw interviews with him in street clothes afterwards. Yeah. I don't think he was kicked out. He didn't do anything to yeah. get kicked out. I don't think so either. I found that hard to believe that he got expelled from the racetrack. But anyways, this guy, I I really hope. That, you know, if I could sit down with Bubba, I would say, look, man, we've been going to this race for years, and the disappointment that you're feeling and the frustration you're feeling is what we feel every time every we go year. run it. Yeah. Every year we run it. Now, if you want to, you know, and, and I hope that that doesn't leave the wrong impression on him as far as Virginia, North Carolina, Tennessee, South Carolina, yeah. late model stock racing. You know, and I think he knows well enough that, yeah. you know, if he goes to the icebreaker at Myrtle Beach or yeah. somewhere at, Nash, you know, Nashville or whatever – to run a late model stock event throughout the year, some of the cars tour races, he would have a real good time. Yeah. But when you go to that race, you got to know that it's probably going to end in tears. Your opportunity, even if you have the best car to win, is is tough because of those those competition yellows. I every year when we get done, I text Kelly <laughs> and I say I don't want to go back. <laughs> I, I don't want to go back. Y'all still right. do. Let's not go back. And Kelly's like, Why? We 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 own cars. We race. That's what we do. I'm like, man, I just can't. We're wired different. Like, for me, it's too hard to go back after having that happen. I don't even know how Josh handled it so well. I saw Josh's post-race interview, and I texted him afterwards, and he was so proud in how his car ran that it almost alleviated a lot of the heartache over losing that race and Mm. not getting that clock and not getting the money. Uh, Josh races off, you know, Josh earns his pay off of the, the winnings in his races. And it's a full-time job for him. He races for a living. Yeah. He's a guy that goes and races his car to make a living. Yeah. And uh, that was a, bit of a, a great paycheck for him. But he, I think the, his pride, he built that car with the help of his guys. But he put a lot of himself into that car to get ready for that race. And he went up there, and he was ready. It was incredible. Uh, his car was just incredible. And he drove in a really, really good race right up until that last restart where Peyton beat him to the line. And that's the brakes, man. After that, you're hoping that, man, all right, Josh, you're going to have to beat him on the outside. Well, we never got to see how that played out. They right. got, you know, they just got a little too aggressive with each other. 
getting down into turn one on that restart, if Josh maybe had not tried to crowd sellers or he, Josh knew that the only way he could beat him on the outside was to run him pretty tight. We saw him run, uh, if you watched the race, he did that with Lane Riggs to get around Lane on the outside. He knew he had to do that, but Sellers wasn't going to let him you know, even get the opportunity of going down in the corner. Let, let me ask you a quick question because you mentioned uh, Josh's response. Yeah. Poised. Um, through all that craziness of the Bubba Pollard situation, you know, walking there in the throngs of people, and he just wanted to talk to the guy. And I know Bubba for a long time. He wasn't going to go sucker punch him. Yeah. He's a class act. All, all of that, you yeah. know, you just want to go talk to a driver. How did he, he handled himself ridiculously well? Even after that, he was getting pestered. Yeah, you know, by, by a reporter. How about that? Yeah, yeah that was ridiculous. That was a little ridiculous. A reporter was trying to bait him into saying something that would have been, you know, just gone viral instantly. You've been in that. He the, you've been that. in those shoes, man. You know, maybe not that Martinsville race, but you've been in those shoes. That's yeah. that's not easy. Uh, you know what I think about is is this going to embarrass me? Is if what I do right now going to embarrass me tomorrow? And I've done some things that I've got got up the next day and regretted. And I, you know, you do that enough, you'll you'll remind yourself in the moment, in the heat of the moment, that look, I don't need to do anything that I'm going to be embarrassed about tomorrow, or I'm going to be ashamed of. And you know, I think that just comes with being in those situations a lot. You know. So the other thing we didn't get around to is the way the race ended. Oh, yeah. They had three green-white checkers. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's get this, to this. The 20,000 restarts right. that yeah. lead well, up I'm to this. Curious. This is yeah. amazing. All right, so re- remember, keep in mind <laughs> how Josh Berry lost the lead right. by being behind when they crossed the finish line for the green flag and the caution coming out immediately after that. And then being scored, scored second, second, which is okay, so bogus. Okay, so that happened. So keep right. that in mind. Okay. They have three green-white checkers. Uh, they have a rule for three green-white checkers. Well, they get to the last green-white checkered, and it's this is it. Okay. The green comes out. They all get down into turn one, and there's a big crash, and the caution comes out. Well, there's they've already come all the way around to turn two, the leaders have. And Corey Heim is in the lead. In but turn one and two. He is clearly he's leading in the lead the, race. the yellow comes out. Yeah. So they throw the yellow. Well, they go back to the last scoring loop, which is the start-finish line, and C.E. Falk had beaten Corey Heim to the line. Oh, my God. Are you serious? And he was awarded the win. At least they were consistent. I will say that. I know, but that is such a bogus thing. Well, when you don't have multiple scoring loops and you have to can it at a third attempt, which I'm not a fan of that. Hold on. There's not a rule that says the leader of the race takes the green as your lead? No. That's what I don't like. So in NASCAR, on the very first restart of the race, the leader must be the first car to the finish line. Second place cannot beat the leader to the line. But after, after that, every restart from there on out, it doesn't matter if the second place car beats the leader to the line. It's fair game. In, in the Cup Series, Xfinity Series. I didn't know that. Yeah. So the second-place car can beat the leader to the line. They just As long as he can't, doesn't fire first. Yeah. As long as, as, long he as they take, don't fire first. He can't, take, he can't fire first. He can't be ahead as they're taking they spin off. Their tires so it was a 20-yard yeah. race. Yeah. <laughs> so weird. And the, the other thing, the, the thing about that is for Corey, maybe even for Josh on his restart where he was put in – you know, taken taken out of the lead at a racetrack like Martinsville. There's a dozen to eighteen scoring loops in a Cup race. Well, for Martinsville late model racing, they don't bring all that infrastructure in there, and there's only one scoring loop, which is at the start finish line. There's no extra scoring loops around the racetrack, and so <laughs> that's or else I think Corey Heim would have been given the win had he been benefiting from having the the proper scoring loops, what yeah. I think should be yeah. there in place at any race. 
at that race. Or, I mean, you know, if you don't want to go scoring loops, it's not hard in 2018. And I'm not bashing Martinsville because they put on a damn good show for this. This race. is more about the you can you yeah. could go to video review, and it was pretty clear that uh, nothing against C. Falk either. The guy yeah. deserves it. Yeah. Okay. You know, like he's been doing this for a long time. All the guys. But it should have yeah. been reviewed in that so, sort of way. In my yeah, opinion. they could have went to video if they and say, "Hey, look, they did. They, we go to video. That's what they did when yep. when I lost to uh, Talladega against Joe Logano, uh, uh, right? Yeah. So they go to video and and when that yeah yellow light came out. Yeah. Hey, how how much did Corey have the lead coming off of two when the caution came Plenty. out? Yeah. So it wasn't even it wasn't close. close. No. So like you know, I, I wonder if you have a situation where you you're you're scoring loop. You have one scoring loop, and it's at the start finish line. When does common sense and logic, t- you know, overrule a scoring loop? I mean, like, why would I think they it, went it, by the way that, of consistency instead of well, I know, the, but say say you say the yellow came out in turn three with the uh, and, and there's a clear leader. Are you literally going to go back to the yeah. to the scoring loop? That, that, they that's they not went even, by the They rules. may have just done that, which would Probably. have been ridiculous. But they scored it that way with Josh on his restart and put themselves in a corner that they had to do it that yep. way again if it happened again, which yeah. it did. And this isn't new. They've been using that scoring one singular scoring loop okay. at the start-finish line for this particular race okay. for as long as I know. Yeah. All right. Well. Yeah, they need a change. Um, mm. It was a very disappointing night, <laughs> I will be honest. Unless you're a C.E. Falk. Yeah. Getting the clock. And then we got up the next day. And went and saw what we saw at the, <laughs> the Roval, Roval and forgot about it. <laughs> it, wiped it. It wiped it from Roval our memory. <laughs> Thank you, Roval. That's crazy. Yeah. All right. That's a good one. All right. Oh, yeah. Ask Junior. <laughs> Dillner's in Martinsville. I'm uh, in Martinsville, yeah, short track cabin here, and realize we got to do Ask Junior. It's time for Ask Junior. I got, I got, I got a question. You have a question for me? Hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag Ask Junior. Ask Junior presented by Nationwide this week. I uh, always appreciate Nationwide and their Nationwide Children's Hospital and their involvement here in this building with Dale. Uh, let's go to the questions. Uh, Cassie, did you see that pace car drift on Friday? Well, more like spin. Uh, what was your thoughts about that? I was. Uh, it was Brett Bodine driving the pace car, and we laughed when he spun <laughs> out, and he came back and said that he was asked to do it on per- and did it on purpose. No, so he was Joey Ch- saying he was Joey Ch- Joey Twi- Chip. Yeah, somebody, <laughs> whoever he was in the car with him, they asked him to spin the car out. I don't know any more particulars about it. So I know you're looking at me like, give me more That's information, crazy. but I don't have it. Yeah, pace car spun out. You don't see that every day. No, we've seen it a couple times this year. <laughs> as much as uh, we liked the Roval, yep. yeah, pace car has been a subject <laughs> this year, man. As much as you like the Roval this week, I, I kind of got a feeling I know the answer to this question, but Caleb uh, Boatwright writes, uh, what Roval track would you like to see the Cup or Xfinity guys go to? Daytona Road Course, any others? Mm, I think we should just do it at Charlotte for a year or two. Not me. I say do it at all of them. Oh, God. Even New Hampshire. Oh, come on. No. Yes. No. Make it happen. No. Roval for oh, the rest wait, of our lives. One. Does Kentucky have a Roval? <laughs> <laughs> hey, actually, actually, I would say Indianapolis. I'm a big fan. I like the Indianapolis yeah, road course, Indy. and there's some people that say it wouldn't be a good stock car course. Hey, well, look, yeah. This didn't look like it would be a good stock car course, and it was Indy, fine. Indy would be great. Listen, if it, it, would you admit that this was progress? Yeah. Okay, oh, really? so yeah. wouldn't logic suggest that if it had progress, you would continue gotta to be do care- the things that would progress? Yeah, it tracks that need it. You got to be careful. The product on the racetrack this year has been amazing at all the racetracks except Kentucky. Kentucky sucked. 
And so <laughs> if Kentucky can make a Roval, I think people might be, <laughs> might be open to that. Indy, that's not a bad idea to maybe try the Roval at that racetrack. But otherwise, let's not go overboard here. Too much candy will make you sick. All right. So just, let's like just slide it. in there. Let's just go in easy. So, so, so Watkins, Glenn, and Sonoma shouldn't make their track an oval? And then uh, you know, and also do what everybody else is doing. No, I like what what, I like what you're saying, man. Just go, right. go get go your butterfinger, go get your uh, three musketeers, and don't Let, eat the whole barrel of candy. Yeah, I'll tap the brakes. All right, <laughs> Erica uh, wants to know your input, what you thought of uh, Martin G- Truex Jr.'s reaction uh, in his post-race interview. I uh, what was it? He's mad at. He's a little salty. Well, I mean, at mad Jimmy. at Jimmy. I saw, I, mean, I saw him spin out, Jimmy. I didn't actually catch what yeah. Martin said. Well. I think that Martin, you know, it's rare that we see Martin show that kind of emotion or any emotion really other than when he's winning and smiling in Victor Lane. Obviously, <laughs> we see emotion there, but you don't really oft- often see Martin share when he's upset. Mm-hmm. And uh, his mad and his okay look are pretty much identical. <laughs> and, yeah. When, his, when his, even, his even keel and pissed off are really similar. But – you know, I think it just shows that Martin's serious about what he does, serious about winning races. He was in this car that was important to him because of Sherry's uh, efforts with the foundation, the Martin, Ju- Martin Trish Jr. Foundation and Sherry Strong and all the things they're doing there with ovarian cancer. She was a pace car driver for the race. It was very neat. Um, it just all would have tied in really nicely had he been able to take that particular paint scheme to victory lane and win the first race at the Roval. He felt like that he had a really great race car, a dominant car, and he felt like that he was racing with a guy that he trusted, a seven-time champion and a gentleman in Jimmy Johnson. And I think it surprised Martin that Jimmy took that chance and took that risk uh, that took both of them out of the race. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, you know, it's. I think it's, I was glad to see him mad, you know. I was glad to see him show a little fire. It was amazing. I felt bad for both of them, you know. Yeah, I was really feeling bad for Jimmy, especially when he learned – Basically, we got to watch him learn on oh, TV Dave that Burns. he was out. Dave Burns broke the news to him. Yeah, and imagine being Dave Burns and having to do that interview. That would uh, not be any fun at all. No. But Dave is a complete professional. Yeah, classic. Hell yeah, he is. So, you know, you know, put put the friendships and all aside. Yeah, it's awesome to see passion, emotion from the drivers. Is it's awesome to see that it matters. It's you know we're seeing them drive their tails off on the racetrack, and when they you know. It's got to matter to him, and you're seeing that from Martin and his reaction after the race and Jimmy's reaction to missing the playoffs and feeling responsible in some way. Wasn't it weird how that wreck actually happened, how he took – I mean, he didn't dive bomb him and clean him out on, <laughs> yeah, on the first part. Yeah, into him. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he, he got him He's on the – He's trying his ass off coming. not to touch him. <laughs> and, and, and Jimmy and, and, was. And, and him. clips him up. like three seconds later. Yeah. yeah. All right, Mary chiming in. Uh, did you get a chance to drive the Roval and get familiar with I it? I rode around Great it. Question. Yeah, I rode around it a little bit. I think I'd like to drive it more. I took my suit and my helmet, driver's gloves, and my, my shoes and everything over to the racetrack on Thursday, and I was going to jump in Michael Annette's car for practice and run a few laps. But they delayed practice because of the track being wet. Mm-hmm. And as time was taken out of practice, I thought it would have been selfish of me to not allow Michael to have it every minute he could get, every lap he could get on the racetrack. So I ended up not driving the car, but I hopped in there and was comfortable and wanting to jump out there and run a few laps, and maybe I'll do that next. I'm sure they're going to have more tests at the at the Roval, more opportunities for me to drive cars and get some real laps around there. So I only want to do it just to help myself with the broadcast when I'm talking about what the drivers are dealing with on the racetrack. All right, you knew we were going to sneak in some sort of fun question here. Uh, Dustin Blake uh, wants to know, do, do you or anyone else think – 
that Blaney looks like Billy Prickett from the Dukes of Hazard movie on his emoji sticker. I've never seen the movie. I haven't either. No, nope. no, yeah. And well, yet I knew that James that would be a case Rodin. of this question. When Dillner comes up with, this is going to be an off-the-ball question, <laughs> there's very rare chance I'm going to know what he's talking yeah. about. <laughs> You're right. When he gets excited. Well, I didn't come up with it. it. When he gets real excited, it's usually going to eliminate like me out of the conversation. It was like, hey, what's your favorite Fortnite dance? Dinner, I don't, don't have a Fortnite just, just tell us if he looks like Billy Brickett well, hey, or not. <laughs> Well, with that handlebar mustache and all that. But, hey, here's the good thing. At least Does Billy have a mustache? Yeah, in that I movie. Know. Yeah. <laughs> At least we know. At least the fans listening to this podcast know that we don't prep you on these questions all PC. <laughs> that, like, yeah, that, that's, yeah. that's robot very, answers. Very obvious. Yeah. <laughs> all right, man. Hell with it. We're done. White flag. White flag. <laughs> White flag. Keep coming, bud. White flag, bud. White flag right there. White flag. All right, fellas, I could spend this moment telling you about the book, Racing to the Finish. It comes out in precisely two weeks. Word. We're getting there. I could also tell you about the fact that we got a big Dale Jr. Foundation event Tuesday night. Dale Jr. is going to be giving some rides. But frankly, this is Dirty Mo Media. We're here to talk about oh, Dirty yeah. Mo Media because last week we had a couple big projects come out, roll out. We we honestly didn't have a show ourselves, but we had some big stuff. We announced Noah Graxon. By the way, do you want to make a comment? I guess we should talk about the fact yeah, that we just announced I mean, we Noah Graxon. Uh, to Junior Motorsports for 2019. That's a cool deal, right? Yeah, I'm excited to get to talk to Noah. and We've kind of connected on social media a little bit over the last couple of years, but not really spent a lot of time with him. So we're going to have a lot of fun with him, especially you, Mike, because you Got love to create it. digital content, and he is a digital oh, yeah. content goldmine. He so is. You should, <laughs> you should have a lot of fun we with We had him. a fun time putting that video out. If you want to see it, go to Dirty Mo's YouTube page. Uh, we also had a fun video with Bubba Wallace come out last week that uh, – we were really excited about all that to say this. I'm not here to talk about the past. I'm here to talk about the future because we're going to roll Scott, out the future. <laughs> we're going to roll out another Dirty Mo Media original piece of content. It is actually going to have a short film, a documentary. It's going to be like 15 minutes long. It is a behind the scenes exclusive of Dale Jr.'s week getting back into the race car at Richmond. It is so good. I cannot wait for everybody to see it. It's only going to be on our YouTube channel. And this Subscribe. isn't this isn't something where it's like, you know, we just went near Richmond and no, followed, no, no. we were at the test with the late model. I mean, it's you're giving away all the, the goods. Scenes, Don't give away all the goods. <laughs> Don't give away all the goods. This is by the stuff. I mean, it's good. We had the best shooter shooting. Who's that? No. So this is good. I'm looking forward to it. Subscribe to Dirty Mo Media's YouTube channel. That is the only place you will see Can't wait this, to see this piece of content. And that's it, Dale. Good stuff from you today. Yeah, it was a good show. I feel like we didn't get to cover everything because it was just so much going on, but I can't sit here for another hour. <laughs> I got to do. I got to use the bathroom and get a good I got I to get some lunch. But Good stuff. All right, NASCAR's got a big announcement, and we'll be talking about that ASAP. We're going to let the dust settle, and we'll give you our <laughs> feedback on that. Talk to you soon. See ya. See ya. This bit of badassery was made by Dirty Mo Media. Dirty Mo.